If you struggle to fall asleep or wake up in the middle of the night, I have the thing that will help and a code to get you 50% off. If you haven't tried high-quality CBD oil, it can be life-changing. And even if you have, using a potent product and taking enough can make all the difference when it comes to anxiety, sleep disturbances, stress, and chronic pain. I love Feels CBD oil. I found Feels, F-E-A-L-S feels a little over a year ago, and I decided to start experimenting with it because it's organic, natural, and entirely produced in the USA. They use 100% organic MCT oil as the carrier oil to stabilize and increase the CBD's bioavailability. Their products are formulated with only the purest ingredients and without the use of fillers, flavors, or unnecessary fluff. Feels CBD oil naturally helps reduce stress, anxiety, pain, and sleeplessness, and the way it works is that CBD interacts with your endocrine cannabinoid system. Just like we have receptors for dopamine and serotonin, we also have receptors for cannabinoids. It couldn't be easier to use. Just place a dropper of the Feel CBD oil under your tongue and you'll feel the difference within minutes. The thing to remember about CBD is that potency is important. And if you've taken CBD oil in the past and not seen any results, you may have not had a potent product. I recently upped my dose. It's a pretty high dose. It's the strongest one feels makes, but it has made such a difference. It's a lifesaver in the second half of my cycle when I'm struggling with sleep. And if I wake up in the middle of the night and I can't go back to sleep, it helps me fall back to sleep instantly. The best way to get high quality CBD oil at a discount is to become a Feels member that gives you 30% off, which is huge. I'm a member and I have the 2400 milligram bottle shipped every two months. You can pause or cancel at any time. And with our special code, you actually get 50% off your first order. Become a member today by going to feels.com forward slash wellfed and you'll get 50% off your first order with free shipping. Again, that's feels, F-E-A-L-S.com forward slash wellfed. Become a member and get 50% off your first order. You are now listening to Well-Fed Women, the show that's been radically changing the way women perceive health, fitness, and their bodies since 2015. I'm your host, Noelle Tarr. Submit your questions to wellfedwomen at gmail.com, and you can keep up with the show on Instagram at wellfedwomen. Welcome to the Well-Fed Women Podcast. This is episode number 393. I am your host, Noel Tarr of coconutsandkettlebells.com. I'm a nutritional therapy practitioner and a certified personal trainer. My website is coconutsandkettlebells.com. If you go to my website, you can click podcast at the top to search all the previous episodes by topic and to find show notes for every episode. Today's episode is all about stealth infections, unexplained chronic illness symptoms, and opening up drainage pathways. We're going to really be diving deep into your questions about what I consider to be some really frustrating and complicated infections, things like Lyme, mold, Epstein-Barr virus, candida, like it's all here. Uh, I'm going to be interviewing Dr. Jess Petros, which if you don't know about her, I'm excited to introduce her to you because she is so knowledgeable in these very complex topics, things that just kind of make your head spin. (laughs) Um, 
And she does a really great job of, I think, educating people through webinars and courses and just even on her Instagram about how to actually not be so, you know, as a, as a community. And, and I'm very, I'm, I'm definitely at fault for this. My mind always goes to food. And while food plays a big role in our health, food doesn't fix everything. Minerals, nutrients, fat soluble vitamins, that's not going to fix everything. And sometimes just because of, as a result of the world that we live in, we are exposed to a lot of things, environmental toxins and mold and parasites and stealth infections that can come from mosquitoes or ticks or whatever on, you know, a semi-regular basis. And even as, you know, we're going to discuss today, things in our environment can feed certain pathogens in our body, like candida, which can act, that's actually the root of maybe some of our unexplained symptoms. It's not the candida. It's what's feeding the candida. So, I think that hopefully this episode is going to provide a lot of insight for people. If you just feel like you're at the end of your rope, you feel like you have you don't know what test to do next. Maybe you've done a lot of tests. And it's not showing any sort of results. This is hopefully going to provide a lot of insight because one thing that I really love about Dr. Jess is that she's she she treats symptoms and she looks at the body holistically and specifically we're going to talk about what it means to open up drainage pathways as opposed to, oh, I need to just attack and I just need to kill this, this infection or whatever this invader is or this parasite. And instead, she focused on, well, let's make sure first that the body can detoxify it properly, which is huge. So Dr. Jessica has a passion for uncovering the mystery behind the chronic illness whether that be stealth infections, heavy metal stress, trauma, or other environmental toxicities, she is a visionary for the future of healthcare and left her position as a board-certified internal medicine hospitalist to pursue functional medicine in order to better serve her patients by getting to the real root cause answers for why the body might be malfunctioning. Her philosophy embraces the health, encompasses the whole patient mind, body, and spirit, which I love. Her specialties are Lyme, parasites, and mold, three very complicated topics. She gained notoriety with her kill-bind sweat method, a timed method for using herbs, binders, and sweating to eradicate stealth infections and invaders from the body. Recently, Dr. Jess launched her own Wellness Plus subscription app where she's helping thousands learn how to heal she also has a variety of specialty courses on her website, and she has regular live webinars. I will link to all of that in the show notes. And she has a hilarious Instagram where she does a lot of reels and gives straightforward advice, which is how I found her. So let's get to my interview with Dr. Jess. Okay, well, welcome, Dr. Jess. I'm so happy to have you here and so excited to dive into these many complicated questions that you um, are so knowledgeable in, but also you do a great job of making things easier to understand. And that's why oh, I'm so excited you. to have you here. Why, thank you. That's a nice compliment. I actually pride myself a little bit on being able to explain complex subjects to the layperson because I think everyone can understand their body. Yes. And my gosh, how complex can it get, especially when we're talking about <laughs> 
like stealth infections. Most people have never even heard that before. Like, what are these infections that are all stealthy? So I'm excited to talk about the hidden stuff, some of these more complicated topics that even I really struggle with. I struggle to understand, you know, I follow you on Instagram and I'm always like, oh, I have to watch that again. Or I have to read that again because, you know, it is really in-depth stuff, but this is the stuff that conventional medicine is missing or ignoring or telling people that it's just in their head when it's not. And so um, I I know you have a, a pretty extensive story about, you know, you went the conventional route. You were in six years you spent as a hospitalist. What was the final straw for you that made you decide to really leave conventional medicine and pursue a new path? I just sort of really woke up. I mean, I moved from Kentucky to Oregon. Um, where the energy is just vastly different. The way people think is different. What people eat and say and do is different. And so I was immersed in sort of a different collective of people, a different energy. And I started to see things differently than I had when I was a hospitalist in Kentucky. And then when I really, my, I guess the first thing that I realized was going on was what we were feeding the patients. And I had gathered so much information about nutrition from Gerson therapy Um, from even posts online that I felt like would make outlandish claims. But then I had the, you know, foresight to go research it and find out sometimes that they were correct. Mm -hmm. And so I started to learn all this stuff about nutrition and food. And then when you apply that to the place you spend eight to 12 hours a day, um, it just wasn't aligned anymore. And I thought, gosh, maybe they just don't know. Maybe maybe I could educate some people. And so I started to talk to hospitalists, colleagues. I started to go down in the cafeteria and say things to the poor cafeteria workers who probably (laughs) hated me. Um, And no one cared. They said, this is what the food pyramid says. You have to include dairy, um, carbs, and a protein um, and I said, you know, that's fine. I don't have to agree with all of it, but you could do raw dairy. You could do, you know, maybe carbs without gluten or organic that weren't sprayed with pesticides. You could do grass fed meats or, you know, source a little bit more sustainably. And they said, we have contracts with Pepsi and Coke in the hospital. And we, um, these, this is a business and we know it's broken. And if you say anything else, then you can't work for us. Mm. <laughs> so. That kind of put me in a box, huh? <laughs> yeah, the moment the moment somebody just says something that like that to me, I'm like, see ya. Like, you know? that's what basically happened. That's what happened. Yeah, yeah. I couldn't yeah. do it. I mean, I just wasn't aligned, and you know, you. I felt I could speak to these people and change things, and it's so well steeped. It's so far above the hospitalists, which have now been kind of. Um, I don't know, relegated to button pushing minions on the computer to protocols and not really using their critical thinking skills as much. Um, And they're kind of low man on the totem pole. There are administrators in suits who are making these decisions for us. Mm. So what, how how did you decide to specialize in these more complicated topics like Lyme and mold and parasites and all of that? Was it because you were seeing that that was actually a bigger root cause than what conventional medicine or even functional medicine was really finding? Or was it because that's what really excited you and, and you found it more interesting than other things? 
I wouldn't be honest if I didn't tell you I wasn't interested in infectious disease. In fact, out of my internal medicine residency, I really seriously considered doing a fellowship in infectious disease. And I'm so glad I didn't because none of them believe in chronic Lyme and all of their solutions are two weeks of doxycycline, which I vehemently disagree with. Um, and so, you know, I'm glad I did. I know why I didn't go that route now, but I do have an interest in it. And so I didn't know right off the bat, like back then when I was kind of battling the hospital system, I didn't know about Lyme or mold or anything like that. Like did not a clue. I just knew diet was the answer more so than just pharmaceutical medications. Whenever I started working in functional medicine, training with functional medicine doctors, working at Whitaker Wellness, Dr. Jillian Whitaker really taught me a lot. Um, I started to see more patients that were more complex. And I missed someone who was up with palpitations and anxiety at night who had Lyme. Um, I was, it was very early in my functional medicine career, but I missed it. And actually a colleague of mine who was working at Whitaker Wellness, Dr. Mark Philiday, who now works for the Amen Clinics and is a mold specialist, he caught it. And so I learned from people around me. And what made me choose Lyme and mold was oftentimes I feel like there were these big three parasites, Lyme, mold, or combination of the above that were really the root cause of patients um, really spinning out or declining quickly. And so I wanted to get to the root cause for people. That's always been my journey and my mission. And so when I missed that, I was like, oh, I need to know more about this. And the more I learned, the more I was interested, the more I saw they did play a role. And now I actually think environmental toxins are the root cause that attract those stealth pathogens. So let's get into it. What exactly is a stealth infection and how does it differ from like just like a cold or a flu? So, you know, stealth pathogens, like the name suggests, are very stealthy and they're not bad at their job. Some of them are as old as we are. Some of them are older than we are and they're good at their jobs, which is hiding. They don't really want to be discovered um, because then there's a chance that you wouldn't want them in their body and you could eradicate them, which happens a lot. Um, they also don't want to kill you because they need a host. So they want you, they want to hide, take advantage of your food supply, your nutrients, live off your body while being undiscovered. And so if that's the case, then some of our tests that probably haven't changed in 30 to 50 years may not be up to speed with their mechanisms of survival. Um, and also, I feel like a lot of stealth pathogens, the ones that hide really well, some of them are things like parasites, like I mentioned, chronic Lyme, like I mentioned, um, can really go deep into the tissues, can burrow into the lymph, into the synovial fluid, into the cranial tissue and hide well there. And when we start detoxing people, you will see that sometimes it's like kicking up dust at the construction site and things are revealed that may have been hidden in the body before. Um, some of these other examples can be even, you know, mold myco mycotoxins are, aren't necessarily a pathogen, right? They're more of a toxicity. Um, and then there's candida, which is another good one, Epstein-Barr virus, CMV. Um, there's a number of herpes viruses that can be pretty sneaky. Hmm. How, how does one, are, are there specific symptoms of that are general of stealth infections that somebody might like, no, or maybe somebody has a chronic symptom that you've seen, you know, in your practice and it keeps getting misdiagnosed. Um, what are some of those like common symptoms of stealth infections, if any? Sure. Yeah. So it's really vague things that require quite a expensive and thorough workup 
um, if someone's to go to like the regular doctor or the hospital, perhaps you'd probably get referred out to a number of specialists, do a number of tests that may or may not be conclusive. And so because the symptoms are so vague, it's things like brain fog, dizziness, fatigue, um, you may have symptoms flare around your cycles if you're a woman. You know, all your symptoms may be heightened. You may have anxiety, insomnia. You may have weight gain that you can't explain or weight loss that you can't explain. Um, you may feel like a shell of a person. You're just tired all the time or you have palpitations. Um, basically, your activities of daily living, your bodily functions that should be normal every day are hindered and you feel like half yourself, really, in a number of ways. Mm. So joint pains, joint pains are another one. I should add that one too. Pain, right. injury, chronic pain. Mm. So why do, it seems that a lot of people, some people struggle with self-infections and other people don't. So some people are exposed to the same, maybe microbes, or maybe they're exposed to the same, even in like, with like mold toxicity or, or biotoxins, like people can live in the same environment, but only one of those people or one family member has symptoms. Why is that? And why are some people more susceptible to stealth infections and environmental toxicity? For sure. I have a, a, I had a client just like this. She was basically bed bound in an over a hundred year old house and her partner was able to continue to perform and be okay for years until recently. Mm. So what I'll say is if you have a um, chronic exposure or toxicity you're not aware of, you may have a really strong genotype. And that means it's in your genes, right? Your predisposition, as I call it. What plays other roles into this are your trauma and what else is in your toxin bucket, your exposome that you've been exposed to over your lifetime also matters. So going back to my patient, she was bed bound for years. Her partner was okay until recently. That's my point. Even if you're a very strong person, if you have a chronic exposure daily over time, eventually it will get your very strong constitution. Um, you know, it chips away slowly at the DNA, at, you know, some of your um, bodily functions. And if you're a very strong constitution, you may not see that for years. Mm -hmm. um, Someone who has something like a genotype called HLA-DR, which is a simple blood test, an HLA genotype blood test, um, those people are much more sensitive. Those are the canaries in the coal mine, if you will. Um, they can walk into a building and know rather immediately if there's water damage there. They can be bit by a tick and get sick quickly from it. Um, they have the HLA-DR genotypes are more prone to things like Graves disease. Um, as well as mold toxicity and biotoxin illness, which is the umbrella term for mold and Lyme. You mentioned trauma. So what do you mean by trauma and why would trauma, which a lot of people put in sort of this like mental, oh, it's a mental health issue, right? Why would trauma impact our physical health and how we respond to something like mold? Right. Um, so trauma is something that you got to think of it like almost like um, when a children's de 
immune system is developing, their brain is developing, what they're exposed to is extremely, extremely important and imperative. Um, you know, we know now not to throw a ton of antibiotics when a child's immune system and gut is developing because you'll put them at a disadvantage later in life with their immune system. And trauma kind of does the same thing. You have a developing immune system, developing your ideas, your beliefs, your thought patterns, and then someone comes in there and throws a wrench in things. And so you may not develop the right neurotransmitters that release at the right time because if you're pinged in flight or fight, your body's going to start firing in a certain way, in a certain rut where the adrenaline is released, the norepinephrine, the epinephrine, and it kind of gets like a truck stuck in the mud, right? It fires in a certain way. So if children have a bunch of trauma early on, whether that's physical, sexual, verbal, whatever it is, it has the potential to shape the way the person feels and thinks and their neurotransmitters fire and their beliefs fat patterns develop around that trauma, which may not be advantageous for someone later on. Um, in fact, there is a study that I would be remiss if I didn't talk about talking about adverse childhood events. And those are, that's trauma, you guys. And so the more ACE scores you have are adverse childhood events, the higher your risk of hospitalization from autoimmunity. Hmm. What exactly? <laughs> so many light bulbs are going off. What, what, what exactly is um, adverse events or what classifies as that? Because I think a lot of time people think trauma as like big, huge events, which it can be, but it also can be smaller like you said, adverse events that just impact us. You know, everyone's so different. And I don't know if I can quite give a proper definition for every single person out there. Do you know what I mean? Because honestly, it's it's really um, different. And the way people perceive things, some people could really have problems um, perceiving something as trauma more so than other people. So it's really about the child, the person's perception of how they deal with this, if that's correct. It's, it's, it's potentially traumatic in their brain and their perspective. It may not be in other people's. And for some people that may take violence, abuse, growing up in a family with mental health issues or substance abuse problems, for other people, it could just be neglect or a sharp comment here or there, or not feeling like they can be themselves or um, not feeling safe is a big one. Not feeling safe, whatever it takes to make you not feel safe, that could potentially be considered a trauma. Mm, I That's so interesting how, I mean, it just puts it into perspective, especially considering, you know, how much <laughs> children are exposed to now, especially with things like the internet. Um, oh my God. <laughs> I just like, you know, even thinking about it, like, you know, my, my, of course, when you're talking, I'm thinking about my childhood and what that was like, but, but if you kind of <laughs> take the focus off yourself and think about what kids are going through today, um, that's a lot. And it can, it's, it's more, I think, than what a lot of us have ever been through, um, potentially. And, you know so. You can see how transgenerational trauma is passed on because if you had abuse as a child and you're not completely in touch or aware with all of it, you may say, well, I turned out fine subconsciously. So my child will be fine in this situation because it's subconscious. You're not aware of what happened. So that can definitely push trauma down the line, as you can imagine. Yeah. 
So one of the the things that you talk about is drainage pathways. You know, there's Mm. a lot of talk about detox. You know, we have detox smoothies and powders (laughs) and, you know, support your liver and all these things, but nobody's talking about drainage pathways. So what are those and how do we open them up, so to speak? Oh, I'm seeing more people talk about it online, which makes me really happy. I I can't wait till the mainstream begins to talk about it because I think it will happen in our lifetime. So um, drainage. So natural docs, naturopathic docs, chiropractors, acupuncturists, Chinese medical doctors, they've known about this for a while. I'm kind of new on the scene talking about it. So let's give credit where credit's due first. But I really love, I've been doing this for a while now, and I used to have to pick out my own favorite supplements for each drainage pathway to open it up. But now I know there are other ways. You don't always need a supplement, guys. So let's talk about what this is. So drainage pathways are things like your lymphatic system, your glymphatic system, which is the lymphatic system of the brain, the brain drain, Um, the bowels, the bile, the liver, the kidneys, the lungs. For women, it's cycles, breast milk. Um, anything that your body gets rid of in, a, in, in any way, in, any trash that comes out is the sewer system where you're going to be able to release daily exposures when they hit you. How do they come out of your body? It's the ways I just mentioned. And so if you can't get daily exposures or toxins out of your body because one of these drainage pathways isn't performing at peak performance, then you might have a problem and get a buildup of daily exposures because there is a cumulative effect of toxins. People say the dose makes the toxin, but you're not counting it all the toxins we're getting from everywhere that are generally recognized as safe, right? Right. right. These cause stagnant drainage pathways for people. Okay, here's the deal. If you've been taking a magnesium supplement but have yet to see a change in your symptoms, it's time to try a compound magnesium supplement. Magnesium is essential to our health and our well being, and deficiencies have become a huge problem. It can cause everything from migraines and sleep issues to increases in a risk of experiencing chronic diseases. We shouldn't wait until we are deficient in magnesium to start taking it. And even more critically, there's not just one type of magnesium. Now, normally I'm a big advocate of getting as many of your nutrients from food, but in this case, it's almost impossible to get enough of magnesium through food alone because our soil is so overworked and mineral depleted and lacking organic matter, which helps the plants get the minerals from the soil. Fortunately, Bioptimizers has a solution. Magnesium Breakthrough has seven types of magnesium and it's specially formulated to reach every tissue in your body. It gives you access to the full spectrum of magnesium, which can dramatically improve your overall health from reducing stress to improving sleep, to boosting your energy levels, to maybe helping you get over the cold that you got from your kid. Like I am in this situation right now, I sometimes up my dose of magnesium when I am sick and it does help. Right now you can try Magnesium Breakthrough and any other product from Bioptimizers for 10% off, just go to magbreakthrough.com forward slash wellfed10. That's mag, so M-A-G, breakthrough, B-R-E-A-K-T-H-R-O-U-G-H dot com forward slash wellfed10. Use the code wellfed10 to boost your intake of magnesium. You can sign up for a subscription as well, like I did. We get five bottles sent to us every five months because we go through a bottle a month for the two of us, and it does help cut down on the costs. Again, that's magbreakthrough.com forward slash wellfed10. 
So what are some, so you talked about supplements. What are nat- <laughs> natural ways um, that we kind of open these pathways up that maybe we're not, people don't think about? Because I, I will admit, you know, even me, it's easy to be like, oh, what supplement can, can support my liver or what supplement can support my, you know, should I be taking a probiotic? You know, a lot, I get, that's probably the top question that I get is like, what supplement should I take for X? And we kind of don't think about all of those foundational things that actually help to open our drainage pathways. <laughs> so what are some of those things? Well, you know, no one, we've been trained to think a pill will fix everything. We've been trained guys. And so that's our natural inclination. But the last thing I want to do is go straight to green pharmacy after I've been in Western med pharmacy. I don't want to treat every ill with a pill. So let's talk about what else we can do. So first and foremost, most people have circadian rhythm abnormalities. They don't sleep well. They don't feel rested when they get up. Some of them feel like they got hit by a truck. So I like to really reset people's circadian rhythm. First off, I have them watch the sunrise in the morning while walking in the sun. Watch the sunrise every evening because when the red light hits your pineal gland, there's a biological or physiological clock in every cell of your body that's reset. So I need people sleeping well, getting exercise in the sun or walking in the sun to recharge their mitochondria or energy makers in every cell and also to reset their circadian rhythm in every cell. I also really, really love castor oil packs for the liver, for EMS cramps on the abdomen or the right upper quadrant. You can put them anywhere there's pain actually or swelling, and it works great to help move the lymph and attract natural killer cells in the studies and decrease inflammation. Um, And that's something easy that everyone can do. Um, As long as there's no contraindications like breast implants or, you know, a bunch of heart palpitations, I'll put people in a sauna and get them sweating because many people tell me they can't sweat, which is another drainage pathway I did not mention. Um, And that's usually early on in my protocol too, unless there's some reason people cannot. Um, I don't have people do enemas or colonics right off the bat because it's pretty daunting. Um, But that's usually a second tier treatment to my plan if people need it. Some people can't get past the constipation, the stagnant bowels to actually start taking binders, which can make people constipated. So if that's the case, I have to sort of troubleshoot and say, are you open to enemas and colonics, which is a way to open that bowel pathway. Um, and then really a lot of it is also things like moving the lymph, which is sorely underrated and probably the most underrated drainage pathway in my opinion. So I really, a lot of people need manual manipulation. They need myofascial release with breath work. Um, the breath helps move the lymph. That's the diaphragm is the pump, right? So you have to move it. Movement helps. Sweating helps. Um, you know, things like you know, lymph massages or drainage are sorely underrated. So all these things kind of have to be added to people's regimens. And then we have to kind of troubleshoot and tailor it because everybody's a little different. Yeah. You mentioned castor oil packs and I keep having people like reach out to me about those. And also I had this company that I saw a lot of like it's they're well known. Um, they do castor oil packs and they're like, would you like us to send you one? And I'm like, I don't think so. <laughs> like, I'm not sure what I would use it for. So should yeah. because I, you know, so it do castor oil packs. Is that something that people should be doing almost like, you know, like I do red light therapy. I'm not necessarily treating things, but you know, I do it daily. I obviously exercise and, and sweat daily. So is that something we should be incorporating into our daily routine just to kind of support drainage and support detoxification? 
I don't do them a whole lot either, but I definitely think they're helpful. Um, and it's just because, you know, I usually try and do one when I get in the sauna. Mm-hmm. Okay. Because they have you had add heat to it. So it's kind of like killing two birds with one stone. Um, yeah, they're really nice. They're also put you in kind of parasympathetic mode, arrest and digest. So for people who are always ping, they're lovely. They're pretty safe unless you have huge gallstones that you shouldn't be putting something there and moving it. They're really safe for people. Um, and honestly, they're nice. People enjoy them. So I want in the beginning of the protocol to add things to people's regimen that they enjoy because detoxing is hard work. Mm-hmm. So if I can give you something that you enjoy, calms you down and makes you feel good, that's a win for everyone. And honestly, they're safe to do every day and sometimes multiple times a day for people. Yeah. Before we get into questions from the community, I'm going to ask the question that every <laughs> is on everybody's mind, which is how do we figure out what stealth infections we have? Because there's, you know, there's two schools of thought. I have I have conventional doctors that I go to when I want certain things done. And I have my functional medicine practitioners that I go to when I want things done. And I have some functional medicine practitioners that have been around for years and years, you know, 30, 40 years. And it seems like the longer you've been in business, the less you rely on testing. This is just my perception. It could be totally wrong. Whereas like, you know, young for, you know, new functional medicine practitioners or or people who are younger, they really, they want to do all the testing and really see everything and figure out what's going on. So do Mm -hmm. you think that everybody needs to get a test, like needs to just go full force, figure out what's going on, test everything? Or do you think, do you rely more on treating symptoms, validating symptoms, and then treating those symptoms? Definitely. I don't, I would rather, I have so many people come to me and say, I spent so much money on this, please help me. And I say, okay, I'd rather spend money towards um, biohacks, supplements, solutions, rather than testing, testing, testing. So I really spend a lot of time with a person up front answering, asking a lot of questions that help me figure out the whole puzzle piece. Cause it is kind of like playing Sherlock Holmes quite a bit. Um, and so, you know, if I get stuck, I'm not sure about something, a test will change my course of direction with solutions or what I'm doing in the protocol, then I will test. Or if I need to trend something out and follow it closely, then I will test. Um, Because trends are actually way more important than just spot checking labs. I'd rather have a trend out to see, are we increasing things, decreasing things, positive, negative? What's the trend? You know, a CRP or an ESR checking inflammation doesn't do me much good unless I can see a few measurements, right? So there's things that I think people just throw tests at. They're so expensive. We need more tailored testing that makes logical sense for people. And normally, Noel, I am a one-hit wonder with tests. And sometimes patients will have to ask me for tests because it's not changing the course of my, of my treatment. Yeah. <laughs> so funny. So I, just as a side note, I have a, the, the woman I go see most often who's local to me, I brought her my GI map test and I was telling her some of my symptoms, which at the time it was like eyelid dermatitis. I was reacting to something and she was like, okay. And so I like, I was like, well, I got this, this done. And would you want to see it? And she's like, well, I know what I want to do, but you're giving me this. So do you want, like, do you want me to like treat what your labs are saying, or do you want me to like, we'll work on your symptoms? I was like, 
And we'll just work on symptoms. And and it, you know, I left there in the weeks after it was gone, like it stopped. So it's just interesting to me how she, you know, she was like, what direction are we going here? Cause like she had her way, but you know, (laughs) me as as patient, I was like, um, you might know her actually, because she's, she's pretty well involved, but she, you know, me as the patient, it's funny, you know, cause sometimes patient, I, I, I welcome, I want pay, obviously I want everybody in this community to feel empowered, to know, to do your own research and to challenge doctors and, and get a second opinion. But it is, you know, it's interesting when, um, sometimes I, I feel like we do rely so heavily on testing that we lose sight of, of symptoms and actually treating symptoms and and doing things like you're talking about, which is like opening drainage pathways, as opposed to being like, let's find all the problems and let's just boom, treat those. Kill, kill, kill. No, 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 no. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, and my, my perspective and um, philosophies have honestly changed and and that directed a lot of my testing. For example, um, I don't think stealth pathogens are the, are the, end all be all of why are they there? They're there because they're there for organic waste cleanup. That's what bacteria and mold do in mm-hmm. the environment and the ecosystem. That's what they're doing in your body. So what are they there eating? Glyphosate, pesticides, phthalates, paraben. What are they, what's there? So honestly, if I'm going to do a test, it's usually a tox test. Mm, interesting. Yeah. Okay. That's your yeah. Yeah. Okay. Opinion. Okay. So let's get to the questions. This one's from Lindsay. She says, I'd love to hear more about mold colonization and toxicity. Is this the next big health discovery? How many people have ongoing health issues that may be attributed to this? And what's the best way to solve the issue? I know this is a whole episode in and of itself. (laughs) True, true. So unfortunately, I'm going to have to give kind of a nuanced answer because some of these are not just black and white 2D answers. They're very bio-individual and um, tailored to the person, if you will. So I think you're talking about small intestinal fungal overgrowth or CFO. Um, and mold colonization can also happen in the nasal or oropharynx as well. Um, we saw this with covid we saw how when people got COVID, it actually, it actually um, triggered mucor mold infections in the nose. And that's because there was an underlying problem here. COVID kicked up the inflammation, started the cytokine storm, which by the way, mold has the OG of cytokine storms, just so everyone knows. But on top of that, you put a whatever this virus is on top of the mold and it kicked up the inflammation and reactivated things. So absolutely, there are different pathogens, toxicities, all that stuff that if you're colonized could flare depending on if your immune system is a bit immunocompromised temporarily. These things are very opportunistic. Okay. Second one's from Alyssa. She said, I'd like to know the best supplements and practices to help encourage detox pathways in general. I question if I have a mold problem, but haven't bit the bullet to get tested because I already spent a lot of money this year on other testing, (laughs) searching for the root cause. (laughs) Hear it so much. I hear it so much. I've already spent so much money. I still don't know what's going on. Right. So tests aren't the end all be all for people. 
Um, I honestly, if you think it's coming from your home, Alyssa, I would probably test my home first to see um, with an ERMI test, an environmental relative moldy index test. I like EnviroBioMix. It's a stupid name, but that's their name. Um, <laughs> and so, um, and then honestly, for drainage pathways, I think we talked a lot about the different, you know, extracurricular activities you can do. As far as supplements go, I really do um, promote Cellcore quite a bit. I'm speaking for them this month in Boise because I think they have the best products on the market, especially the best binders. Um, they do have protocols phase one, phase two to open up drainage pathways, which kind of makes it an easy button for me because before I was having to pull supplements from my favorite supplements for liver, for bowels, things like that. And they just kind of package it into a neat little package that helps you make energy, open your bowels, open your liver. Um, I really like that. It's just an easy button for us docs and their products work, I believe. If somebody finds that mold isn't in their immediate living environment, can somewhere they lived 5, 10, 15 years ago be still causing them a lot of issues? Not usually that long, but in the matter of a handful of years, yes. There are certain people, um, like you said, who get colonized, who whose body don't recognize the foreign intruders right off the bat. And so one side of their immune system is signaling there's a problem and overreactive. The other side of the immune system is like, yo, we can't see you. So you're spun out and imbalanced, right? And that can continue for people even out of the mold exposure, especially if they have other exposures or other problems that haven't been tended to. It's like your immune system's out of balance and out of homeostasis, and it can't quite find its way back to the center. Hmm. Okay, yeah. so this is this is a topic that I just can't figure out myself, um, and I would love your thoughts. So this is from Sydney. She says, I would love to hear any, any insight on living with chronic Epstein-Barr virus. Um, is there any way, and this is an additional question for me. So is there a way to, <laughs> is there a way to actually treat chronic Epstein bar so that your numbers normalize, even when like you're not symptomatic, because I feel like every single person I've ever talked to has some sort of chronic Epstein bar virus, but are only symptomatic during times of you know, high stress. Otherwise, you know, you don't feel it, but the numbers are there. So is there some way that we like, we get it, you know, the numbers back down or is it just something you live with? I would have to clarify what numbers, because if you've had Epstein-Barr virus, your IgG, which is the antibodies that show chronic infection are always going to be elevated. I never have a flare, but my IgG is always elevated. Um, if you have a flare and the symptoms of Epstein-Barr come back, you need that early antigen um, or EA test. And that the docs don't usually check that. They check IgM, IgG, Epstein-Barr nuclear antigen, Epstein-Barr viral capsid, but they need the early antigen to check and see if there's a flare going on to actually see if it's reactivated. That's the only marker that will tell you if it's reactivated. So that, to answer your question, the IgG will never go down. It can, can sometimes go down a little bit if it's super high and you keep having flares that will show that it's there's a large viral load there, right? You had a big chronic infection that has a chance to reactivate. Sometimes the IgG numbers will go down, but they usually don't ever disappear. Now, you never want the early antigen to reactivate again, right? That's the real problem that's causing the acute symptoms in people is that, that, that it's reactivating and showing that antigen again. When that happens, there's something going on in your body. You said stress, right? Stress yeah. for you. 
Yeah, I think that's what most people would say. It's extremely opportunistic, right? So there's something there usually with a virus that's playing in the body. They interplay with other um, pathogens, other toxicities. So they take advantage of each other when the immune system's out of balance. It's just like candida. Candida is very similar, right? It's opportunistic. So with Epstein-Barr, you really need to find out what else is going on in the body. This is usually not root cause. There's something else going on. Heavy metals, mold, lime, Parasites is a big one, and parasites is the one I want to mention here because there are a number of studies that parasites like Leishmania and Strongyloides actually interplay with retroviruses. And when you are able to get rid of the retrovirus, you don't have a strong parasitic infection. And so, like things like the HTLV retrovirus and things like this, there are, are actual viruses that live in parasites and interplay and and kind of act as frenemies to get on top of the body. With parasites, you kind of have to do the testing, correct? Like to figure out if it is parasites or are there some oh, pretty... They're all inaccurate. They're all wrong. All oh, wrong. that's helpful. They're all wrong. The GI map detects, what, 10 parasites? There's right. thousands. Um, and 30% of them are microscopic. So the, the one test that I found that's remotely accurate is parasites.org. They check 31 different parasites, which is still not a whole lot, but it's an MD-PhD team, and they found nematode larvae in me as well as candida. No one's ever found anything on me. So wow. I would say, yeah, I would say to go that route with parasites.org, the, the OVA and testing parasites in mainstream medicine is sorely inaccurate, and they know it. They usually get three tests within a week or two weeks to make sure the accuracy of the results are a little bit better. Um, but they know this, they're sorely inaccurate. I mean, you got someone picking through your stool, like looking to see if there's like, give me a break. So it's, it's literally, it's literally like, I don't test for parasites. That's why I have a very specific set of questions that I ask people that are intrinsic to parasites. Did you, just as a side note, did you see any of the connections between Epstein-Barr and long haul COVID? Like some, I, I remember seeing something. Yes. Okay. So Yes. Huh. So there's a connection. 73% of people, and this is, I think, quoted from someone from the CDC. I can't remember who said the quote right now. I'm sorry. But 73% of people of long haulers have reactivation of the herpes virus like Epstein-Barr or CMV. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So how do we... This is okay. Now, now this is turning into my, my console, but like, you know, <laughs> so, you know, I had mono, I had seen bar and it, and you know, it comes back. It's one of those things that's like, you see it on labs. You're not symptomatic. Do you do anything about it? Because some people are very symptomatic. Others aren't when I'm super stressed. It's only happened twice. All of a sudden I feel like I have mono again. I have to sleep it off. But uh, other than that, I'm I'm pretty good. And so, you know, I went that route early on. And before I got pregnant with my kids, it was like, oh, let me test everything. And I remember we tried to cre treat it, you know, with whatever, colloidal silver or something. I can't remember at the time uh, right now, but it like the numbers didn't change. And I was like, well, I'm not really concerned about this because I'm not symptomatic, you know, like I'm not feeling it. So do I, do we need to be treating this as a sec? Big question. So sorry in advance, but do we need to be always treating things that show up on labs if we're not necessarily symptomatic? No. No. I don't chase numbers. I don't do that. I don't give a pill for every ill. Oh, here's low this, low, high that, da-da-da. Here's this pill. Here's that. I give pill people four to six things max, maybe 
maybe eight if they're really terrible, maybe. But otherwise, I can't tell what's doing what. And there's been no study on, on five pharmaceuticals in a, someone's body ever before and what it does. So mm-hmm. like if I want to be a responsible person, I need to add things one by one. I need to really be looking at the overall picture and not in the weeds on these lab tests. Sometimes there are markers that need to be addressed, right? Sometimes there are trends that you see. Let's see, we see a number of markers with high inflammation. There's definitely high inflammation in the body. You might want to address that or figure out where that's coming from, right? Mm-hmm. Um So yeah, it takes an astute eye. Yeah. Okay. So this is from Dara. She says, what are the symptoms of Lyme? I work with a doctor who specializes in biotoxin illness, both Lyme and mold illness, and have had known mold exposure, but I have treated it appropriately and I'm in a good environment now. However, I'm still dealing with a fairly high heart rate. And when I work out, it feels like my heart is beating out of my chest. My resting heart rate has gone up about 20 beats per minute. I've seen a cardiologist, no direct heart issues. I've had hair loss and eyebrow loss. My thyroid is fine. I'm on armor, but Hashi's antibodies are still high. Overall fatigue, occasional joint pain, not every day. I was questioning lupus as well. The Lyme test is quite expensive and I want to make sure I fit the criteria. Yeah. So, um, there are plenty of people I treat without Lyme tests who can't afford it, who have the symptoms and definitely POTS, postural orthostatic tachycardic syndrome or palpitations when you sweat, when you work out sometimes for no reason, um, can be a sign of parasites in Lyme. And it sounds more like she has possibly co-infections of Lyme with something like Babesia or Bartonella with those palpitations. Um, migraines can be a symptom, um, fatigue, brain fog, um, never feeling rested, no matter how much you sleep, joint pains that kind of migrate across the body, um, earringing, um, autoimmunity in general, palpitations we mentioned. Um, and then usually you'll see a bunch of stagnant drainage in these people, not being able to go to the bathroom regularly every day, not being able to sweat properly in under 10 minutes in a sauna. Um, there's these, there's all that. They may have some mood disorders like anxiety or depression that come with that too, right? Um, so it's sort of this very vague systemic symptoms that doctors have trouble with because they're so vague. It's the great imitator. Um, and, you know, really, I'm not sure what you mean you were treated by mold, but not for Lyme because in my world, we don't treat those separately. Hmm. Tell, can you tell me more about that and why? Yeah, they both require binders. They both require opening drainage pathways. People feel anywhere from 50 to 70% better with just opening drainage pathways to begin with. When you open drainage pathways, you're dumping toxins that are attracting both of those pathogens or mold as well and Lyme. Um, and then really the only thing different with Lyme is when drainage pathways are open, you need some killing herbs to eradicate things. Um, but, and maybe some biofilm busters, but that's it. Mold, you still have to open drainage pathways and take binders. And oftentimes there are, um, well, every time there are frenemies involved, it's never just one thing. And so you often end up taking herbal antimicrobials anyway. So when so you, sure how yeah. you treat it differently. so you mentioned co-infections too, like, it sounds like she has co-infections. So Lyme can come a lot, like a the like Lyme is a tick disease, right? So, so when you get infected with Lyme, are you saying with these co-infections that it's comes along with the tick, like other things, or is, are these other infections that are acquired over time? No, it comes with a tick. These are tick associated infections. Also mosquitoes can cause Lyme. 
um, in all the German studies, they proved oh, it. Lord. So, so, um, and then a lot of people think other vectors too, spiders, fleas, you know, all that. So, um, yeah, this comes with ticks. This comes, especially with the nymphs, the little tick babies that you don't see. If you love a good serum, I have a new 30% off coupon code for you. One of the top ways we're exposed to endocrine disruptors, plasticizers like BPA and heavy metals is through cosmetic products. Conventional skincare is often loaded with endocrine disruptors and carcinogens, but products also can be high in heavy metals because they become contaminated through extraction and production. I made the switch to clean beauty five years ago after I read some alarming research that showed how harmful ingredients in skincare products can actually pass through the placenta to the baby and make it into breast milk. I tried so many different clean beauty products and by far the best effective skincare and makeup is from Beauty Counter. Their products are free of known harmful ingredients and they contain active ingredients, which means they work just as good if not better than the conventional products. They test for all contaminants like BPA and heavy metals, which is why I ultimately chose to make the switch. I absolutely love the vitamin C serum and I personally use the Countertime Tripeptide Serum every night which has totally changed the fine lines around my eyes. Shop Beauty Counter at beautycounter.com slash Tar. Then use the code CLEANFORALL30 to get 30% off your order. You can also join my clean beauty list where I share promotions and sales and offer samples. That's at coconutsandkettlebells.com forward slash beauty. Again, to shop, go to beautycounter.com slash Tar and use the coupon code CLEANFORALL30 to get 30% off your first order. Yeah. Not a fan. Um, no. I, know, <laughs> I know Noah didn't take those on the ark. Like, what the hell? <laughs> I just want to know why he took mosquitoes. Like, why yeah, is that you know, necessary? You know he didn't. Something's wrong. <laughs> what on earth? What? Why did we decide that was a good idea? So, um, and then uh, with Lyme and co-infections and treating, let's say, when you treat Lyme, you're treating those co-infections as well, correct? Correct. Yes, you are. Um, because many of the same herbs that go after Lyme, which is a bacteria, are overlapping. They don't just treat one thing. They also will kill parasites, candida. So that's what's so lovely about herbs. They have many mechanisms of action, and many of them work on many different pathogens. Got it. Okay. This is from Kristen. She says, I would like to know her thoughts on types of binders. My functional medicine doctor had me on cholestramine. Close, not really, but I have heard that other binders are better. Long story short, I was doing a, a CIRS detox program with a doctor and he retired. So I've Oof. been winging it. Oof. So it sounds like she's been doing the shoemaker protocol, which they take serum blood labs, which can get pretty expensive. And then they use a lot of things like um, pharmaceuticals, like VIP spray, some other things that really help DDAVP sometimes, some other things that really help um, get rid of that pyramid they show you where you have the abnormal labs that they just checked. Um, cholestyramine is an old school cholesterol medication and binder. Um, I don't like it. It binds up nutrients. It binds up all the nutrients. You have to be really careful, take it hours away from food. It only works on okra toxin, according to Dr. Neil Nathan's information, which is one species of mold or mycotoxin when there are a lot more. So therefore, unless you have okra toxin, which is a very popular mycotoxin, I really don't go there with cholestyramine or well call. Um, I pr would prefer, um, 
binders that don't bind up all their nutrition, make people so, so constipated. Um, and I just think other ones work better. So I like activated carbons um, with fulvic and humic acid that are charged with polysaccharides, amino acids, and energy. They have a very low pH, which makes them react with the body extremely fast when put into the body. It's like a burning fire that the body wants to react with. And that mean, that's good. That means it's latching onto things and binding them. Um, I also really like zeolite and um, bentonite clay if it's from a good source about heavy metals. Um, those are really great as well in being able to pull a lot of the different species of mycotoxins out of the body. Mm. Um, activated charcoal just stays in the stomach. It's really good if you have a hangover, <laughs> but you know, it's really not going to pull systemically across the gut barrier. Interesting. Okay. This is from Sarah. She says, I would love to hear what Dr. Just thinks is behind severe IBS in our, our case. So it's, she's talking about, I asked her and she's actually, it's not her. She's talking about a family member. I've seen, we've seen no improvements after years of eating a whole foods, gluten-free unpriced processed diet with lots of animal protein and also including sauna time. Does Dr. Jess see certain trends of symptoms being associated with certain types of toxins? Mm -hmm. Well, irritable bowel syndrome, I mean, it sounds like she hasn't done any testing. I mean, a blueberry is not going to pull out um, parasite. Irritable bowel syndrome is often parasites. Um, you yeah. know, no diet is going to fix that. Yep. No. You, you've got to open drainage pathways. It sounds like they're sweating. They're doing some of it. They're eating pretty well. Um, but you're going to have to take killing herbs and binders once drainage pathways are open to really eradicate that. Um, it also could be something like small intestinal bowel overgrowth if you've not done a breath test to check with a meth methane or hydrogen producing bacteria in the gut, they can cause symptoms like that as well. Um, so bacteria, parasites, even colonization of mold in the gut can do it. Um, and stress as well can add on top of that. So it's probably a multifactorial picture, but for this person, I would definitely put them on a opening drainage pathways and probably killing parasite type of protocol. And before you kill par parasites, do you test or no? Not most people. I ask specific questions like, do you grind your teeth? Are you worse around full moons? Do you have a dairy sensitivity? Do you have rectal itching? Do you have muscle twitches or fasciculations? Do you have eczema, rashes, hives? much more accurate than an parasites test. I love how you just rattled that off. Like it was like the back of your hand. <laughs> I have done it a lot. <laughs> a true expert. You've dealt with this a lot, apparently. Um, and then, you know, you keep saying uh, opening drainage pathways and some people can't sweat. How do you make people sweat just more time in the sauna? Does your body get like better at sweating? Yep. It oh. remembers. Yep. And it, it, there comes a point where it'll be triggered and you'll just start drenching in sweat. But people are sensitive. I have them go in for a couple of minutes and add a minute on it each week until we get there. Sometimes it's slow going. Mm, interesting. Yeah. Okay. So um, I've always been one with a very healthy sweat rate, but I also have always been very involved in like endurance athlete athletics. Well, not anymore, but like, you know, I was always a heavy sweater and now, still to this day I am, but I do think that that is one of the benefits of being like consistent with exercise. Yes. You're exactly right. You're triggering that and having the body remember every single day. Mm -hmm. Okay. So this is from 
uh, Greta. She says, I have an autoimmune disease and chronic Lyme. How do I balance supporting my immune system, but not making it overreact and exasperating autoimmune symptoms? So I don't, it's sort of a vague question to answer because I have no idea what autoimmune condition that they're struggling with and what the symptoms might be. Um, if you're properly opening drainage pathways, the herxing or um, die off should be minimal. Um, it's if you have a good practitioner who knows when your body is ready, they should be prepping your body by opening drainage pathways before they go killing things off. When you don't do that, people will normally have symptoms that you may be describing. Um, and you know, honestly, it's the Lyme is probably contributing to your autoimmunity. So getting to the root cause of the Lyme and going through some of the tolerable symptoms that may be a bit uncomfortable are going to get to the root cause for you. This is from Dalma. She says, can one really reverse Hashimoto's and stop antibodies from attacking? So this is like a whole episode. Yes. So very nuanced again, because like there's not this like set recipe for everyone who has Hashimoto's guys. If that was the case, I would be paid minimal wage. That's why doctors get paid more because it's stressful to be able to figure out that everyone's unique and bio individual and you have to figure out their specific recipe. So it's, you know, what causes Hashimoto's? The same things that I've talked about already, heavy metals, industrial toxins, trauma, pathogens. That's it. Mm. That is it. And when I say toxins, I'm including diet in there, right? I'm including other things in there, right? So... So there's one of those things that's in your body that shouldn't be there that's adding to this. And maybe if your diet's on point, some of these pathogens and toxins can create so much inflammation, there's improper absorption. So people who are even eating properly are not getting the right nutrients because there's so much inflammation. So really to reverse Hashimoto's, you need to look at the emotional, the physical, and the spiritual side of things, mind, body, spirit to fully heal. Are you using your voice properly? Was your voice suppressed as a child? Are you not able to um, speak up when you need to and speak your truth? Do you have, uh, do you take a shower every day without a shower filter or drink water every day from the tap that has perchlorate or chlorine byproducts in the water that compete with iodine in the same row of the periodic table in your thyroid? Do you um, have heavy metals that because you had mercury fillings or you live near a petroleum plant or a coal plant when you were younger, right? Um, do you have trauma that needs to be reversed that's adding to your adverse childhood events, increasing your risk of autoimmunity? Um, do you have under, you know, um, Lyme? parasites, SIBO, H. pylori, candida that is undiagnosed, that's adding to the inflammation in your body, releasing toxic byproducts that hurt you're damaging your thyroid. There's so many questions to ponder here, but I just gave you the four, only four reasons that you could have Hashimoto's. That'll do it. Um, okay. So, so this is a really popular question. I've gotten, I got this from multiple women and this is always a really popular question because I get it. Some women are struggling but they're pregnant or they're breastfeeding. So can you open up drainage pathways while breastfeeding? And how do you best support detoxification and opening up drainage pathways while pregnant? So really this should have been done way before pregnancy. I mean, you can't do anything when you're pregnant, guys. Breast milk yeah. is a drainage pathway. And breast milk and breastfeeding, I don't really detox people that way. I don't think you should take binders. You can sweat. You can do it with food and fiber and hydration. But it really needs to be done before you're pregnant. Yeah, or, <laughs> a or after. 
Yeah. 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 You can't, I mean, you can do it with food and sweating and natural things like this. You can do enemas and clonics when you're breastfeeding, but yeah. Yeah. Not anything else. Yeah. I don't, I didn't, I don't mess with pregnancy. I didn't even, well, I didn't even, it's just not, it's not worth it. Don't, don't worry. Do it, do it later. Do it later. Okay. So we're getting to the, um, end of our time, we've got a few like random questions that I think you might be able just to add a little, like just a few little tidbits here or there. So this is from Saul good underscore flowers. She says, what can help with an allergy to dust mites, both species? I've had an allergy my entire life. And I'd love to know your thoughts a little bit more about environmental allergies Um, because a lot of people, especially in the springtime, you know, so many people struggle with allergies and we see even like healthy, you know, holistic people can struggle with allergies. Even kids can struggle with allergies. So what, what's, what are triggers? Yeah. So usually it's an overburdened liver. Um, if your liver is overburdened in the spring, the fall, you might have some seasonal allergies because you're producing like histamine from your mast cells, which overflows from the liver. So normally if people have seasonal or environmental allergies, they go straight for the liver detoxes mm. first. Interesting. So um, I will, I will grab two more questions. How have you ever heard of um, complex regional pain syndrome? And do you know any root causes of that? Yeah, my cousin had it. Um, mold plays a big, huge part because mold gets in the adipose tissue and in the fascia and lymph. Um, Lyme and parasites can play a big part. But overall, um, in general, these people have had an enormous amount of trauma. Interesting. It's actually stored in their body. And how do you, so (sighs) trauma stored in the body to release it, are we, is this, so a lot of people are like, okay, how do I deal with this? And, and, you know, the number one thing is usually therapy. So is somebody going to therapy to kind of release this trauma? Or are there other things they can be doing too? I think talk therapy is outdated personally. Um, it doesn't get it out of the body. It gets it out of your consciousness. That's mm. about it. Um, what do animals do when they're attacked and they live? They shake, they do breath work and then they shake all over. What do we do when we have trauma? Yeah. Distract, get quiet, distract, 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 stuff, 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 stuff. Buy it's things. In yes. Interesting. Um, yeah. Okay. Let's do. I definitely, well, let me add to that. Definitely people yeah. need to get into the spiritual side, get into a rest and digest, parasympathetic mode, meditation, even anything that makes you glitch out on the table and you come to, and how long is I asleep? That is where the healing takes place. That can happen in myofascial release and breath work, um, in dance, screaming, gets things out of the body, shaking, all that, that kind of stuff. Mm, I like that healing stuff. Okay. Um, let's do this last one. (laughs) What is the best way to treat candida. So what exactly, because I don't think we've defined it. We've talked about it a lot, but what is candida and what makes it different from some of these other stealth infections? So candida is a unicellular um, yeast. 
it's it's kind of like mold's younger dirty cousin mold has is multicellular fungus um and yeast is extremely opportunistic it is supposed to be in our body it is supposed to be in our guts but the body works in checks and balances and ratios so if you've had antibiotics all your life that have napalmed your gut deforested the, it from the good bugs then candida is going to overgrow because it has a chance or if you have something like glyphosate or heavy metals or pesticides in your body it may be there digesting those for you so there's a purpose and reason for it because it is naturally there. It just needs to be in certain ratios. To get rid of it, um, it is usually not root cause. I will tell you, I have candida right now. I just got my gut zoomer back. And the reason I have it is I have glyphosate off the charts. Wow. Why Why would you have, what? what's, maybe what are some hidden exposures of glyphosate that we're not seeing? Gosh, it's sprayed in the air. So it's aerosolized, right? Um, yeah. And so it's, really just in the air. It's on our food. If it doesn't say organic, then likely it's been sprayed, especially if you're eating produce. Um, lots of things, alcohol, um, even some of our personal care products may have it because it's in the air. Cannabis. Oh, no. Yeah. Interesting. So the candida is not, this is like revolutionary. So candida is not the root cause of your issues. Rather, it's what's feeding the candida. Correct. Or what's not there that's supposed to be there, like your protective bugs that have been destroyed by steroids, antibiotics, whatever else, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Wow. I've never had antibiotics maybe twice in my life. So not that reason for me. Yeah. Wow. That's nice. <laughs> Lucky you. Um, I feel like most kids of the 80s were hit with a lot of antibiotics. Yeah. And, um, now, you know, but, and, and I struggle with, with my kids because I've tried my hardest, you know, to not expose them to a lot. Um, my son has never even had any antibiotics and has eaten, you know, was breastfed and ate a whole foods diet. And is very like, you know, like he's my control study, so to speak. And he still has, this, you know, skin reaction to things and he still is kind of reactive and he'll have a rash. And I'm like, but why? And, you know, my doctor, um, the functional medicine practitioner is always says, Noel, we live in a toxic world. Like you, there's no, you're not going to be able to live in a bubble. So sometimes these things happen. Sometimes you, you're going to have problems because our world is toxic. So it's like, it's so it's sometimes you got to let go. You cannot, you can't, it's just, you got to be able to, to support your, and this is just kind of what I've come to, which is like, I've got to be able to support my body or my, you know, kid's body or whatever to deal so that they can best deal with things when they occur, but not ex don't expect that nothing's ever going to occur. You know, right. it's just the world, the, the nature of the world we live in right now. Yeah. It's unfortunate. Sad. Okay, Dr. Jess, that was so helpful. We got through all the questions. Um, you have a lot going on. What are you working on right now? And where's the best place for people to get in touch with you and get more help from you and your resources? I'm actually working on a book right now. So I'm about 115 pages into my book. And so that's probably what I'll work on today. Awesome. Um, and where can people get in touch with me? Because the book definitely is not ready to be released yet. So um, I have tiers to how you can relate with me. Um, if you like free information, I put a lot of it on Instagram, on TikTok, on Facebook. 
Um, I'm there under doctor period, just period MD. And then um, if you really want more of my attention, um, I have my website where I have a free how to kill buying sweat. I have a, fr- a bunch of questions like you just asked. I asked my audience and put the answers to the questions on my website. Um, then if, if you want more of my attention, there's my paid membership that is app.drjessmd.com. That is wellness plus. And that's where we have our community forum, professionally filmed courses, webinars, um, root cause quickies that people request, um, and a store products and protocols. Awesome. Thank you so much, Dr. Jess, for being here. And thank you for taking the time to answer all of our questions. I know it's your time is super valuable and you've also obviously got a lot going on. So this was so helpful. And I know everybody really appreciates it. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. All right. So for more from Dr. Jess, it's Dr. Jess, J-E-S-S-M-D.com. For more from me, coconutsandkettlebells.com. Thanks for being here, guys. I will talk to you next week.